On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside episode 892 of the Talk and Audio podcast. My name is Matt Robinson in our studio here in beautiful Bytown, Canada, as we uh, get ready for the Ottawa Senators to kick off their season later on tonight. Uh, if you're interested in checking out such things, I, our show has an interesting mix of listeners. Uh, if you're more interested in the Leaf side of things, you can check that out also at tallcanaudio.com or wherever you're listening to this. Just scroll down a little bit. Jeff Vayette from the uh, faceoffcircle.ca was here to uh, look into the Leafs. Uh, time to check on the Senators, and when it's time to do that, we like to reach out to our buddy Graham Nichols, the Sixth Sens. He's here tonight. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you? Uh, pretty good, man. Appreciate you making a little bit of time. Uh, how have things been? Oh, it's uh, busy. Really, really busy. Uh, I have an 18-month-old at home, and uh, we're doing some house renovations and stuff, and it's just uh, it's pretty chaotic right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, happy to take a mental break from that and uh, have a chance to talk some hockey with you, so it should be fun. Yeah, well, in the midst of all that, we do appreciate you making a little bit of time. I think the last time you were here was back in January, just before we dropped the puck on the, uh, the shortened 2021 season. Um, before we fire anything up, why don't you let people know where they can find your work, where they can follow you? I'm sure most people already know, but, uh, hit them anyway. Gnichols.substack.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at six ends and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at tall can audio, facebook.com slash tall can audio. We'll make sure all of Graham's links are uh, in the show notes as well. So, um, look, there's a bunch of stuff that I, I want to ask and get a, a serious take on from you. But just before we started up here, scrolling through Twitter, uh, I saw that the senators made a signing today. No, it wasn't the one, uh, I guess I should say for the, the sake of the good listener, uh, this is Tuesday evening we're recording. There was a signing today and in the background there was apparently some evidence that uh, the computer in the photo was had cap friendly on it uh, what, what's going on man this is the most senators thing ever is it not I don't know I, I like people make fun of it right everybody's so worried about cap compliancy today was the first day where the senators were cap compliant in quite some time they, they finally reached the floor and mm-hmm. you know everybody's so sensitive around it but I don't think it's any secret that there are executives and employees for NHL organizations across the league that use an invaluable resource like capfriendly.com so I know, totally it, agree, but it very much it, feels like double check, it turn is, around, write the check. And, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is pretty funny. Yes, considering the circumstances, but um, yeah, it's something just to make light of for sure. But I, I wouldn't. I don't think it's any. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's like a poor reflection on the organization if Pierre Dorian has his browser open to to Catholic. No, I think that's. <laughs> It's just, it's just very senators that it showed up in the photo. That's all, right? And and when I say it's the most senators thing ever, like obviously as a nonsense fan, it's funny to me that like there's been far more um, damaging things that have happened. And you think of the Uber thing, you think of a hundred different things that have gone on. But there's just something humorous that like, oh come on, could you just have shifted your computer a little bit out of the frame or something, <laughs> right? Like, or just crop it out. It's anything, man. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, why don't we start here because this could change before the good listener hears it on Thursday morning. Uh, I'm sure Sense fans would like it to. But as we sit here on Tuesday evening, 
The elephant in the room, of course, is that Brady Kachuk is not signed. Um, that impacts everything from the way fans view the franchise to ticket sales, and then, of course, most importantly, performance on the ice. But I guess I would ask, you know, on, on how important do you think it is that he's at least as we sit here now, going to miss opening night. If, if we get two or three games in and they they find a deal and he, he gets parachuted in and they get off and run, is it quickly forgotten or does this the opening night thing and having missed camp, does it matter? That's a great question. Um, I, I, I don't even know if it's that surprising. I, I think if you look at the, his brother's history in Calgary, like the negotiations there dragged on quite a while too. And, you know, just to see... Just to see kind of how the chips have unfolded, though, is kind of interesting because, you know, right away you heard 8 by 8 was offered by the organization mm-hmm. and, you know, things kind of dragged. And then you hear from other sources that, you know, they're not that far apart on money. And then you're thinking, well, if it's 8 by 8 and they're not far apart on money, like what's what's taking so long? Right. And then all of a sudden you hear late in the process that, yeah, Brady was never really that high on term. He wanted a bridge deal the entire time. So it's, it's pretty weird just how... I don't know. I wouldn't even say rumors. It's just like this talk and the insider speculation and insight in this process has unfolded. You know, you're getting you're getting fed these lines about what Ottawa's offering, and then you realize that after that for Brady's camp that you know he wasn't that interested in signing long term here from the get go. And you know, it just seems like the Senators are kind of digging their heels in on an eight year deal or a seven year deal. They want him locked up long term, and I think everybody understands how big of a signing it would be and how big of a signal it would send to like this fan base and this community, the, the other players on this team who are going to hit free agency, restricted free agency, the next year or two. You know, if Brady's sticking around, then that's a great message to send to those guys that they should be doing the same too. And I think if Brady box and, and he toes the line and, and he really wants that bridge deal, that three-year bridge deal that takes him a year out from, from unrestricted free agency, I think the Senators have a real big problem on their hands. And I think it, you know, it goes back to a lot of the players leaving uh, over the past few years. Like whenever someone gets to that threshold, the organization has a really hard time locking those guys down and you know you look at contracts that are being offered around the league and 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 are being signed throughout the league like Mika Zibanejad a former senator is a great example like his contract was almost exclusively the extension that he signed was almost exclusively signing bonus uh driven and you know well here just this week and Barkov as well right so you know that the reality of the league right now is that a lot of these players want that guaranteed money up front and it's buyout proof and it's lockout proof and and it's everything. And, you know, if that's kind of the climate for contracts uh, for that many of these good players want, I think it puts the Senators in a precarious position because they're not comfortable doing it. And I don't know if it stems from um, the Danny Heatley situation where Melnick chased Heatley for getting that some of that bonus money back that he owed him when Heatley requested a trade and essentially submarined his trade value right uh, as as the whole signing bonus deadline kind of went by um yeah I, I don't know if it's like lingering animosity from that or if it's a liquidity issue where the owner simply just doesn't have a ton of cash available at this time especially you know you look at the covid situation you look at the fact that fans weren't attending games last season and it's just been the last two seasons have been bizarre so it's a lot of circumstances, right? Yes. You, you look at it and you can kind of understand why they'd be hesitant to do it. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, if you look at the climate around the league and all these teams are able to make these moves, you kind of wonder, it's like, well, this is an inefficiency that Ottawa simply can't overcome. It's it's a competitive advantage that all these big market, mid-market teams have. And, I, you know, you pointed out Barkov, like Florida's not really heralded it as a big market either. Nope. Um, so, you know, if you see some of the smaller market teams starting to do that too, you kind of wonder like, you know, is, is this a situation where maybe like the owner just doesn't have the wherewithal to, to manage this team and, and put it on a competitive level, uh, with the rest of the league. And, you know, this is, this is the first day of cap compliancy for the Ottawa senators this season. And it's, it's literally the first day of the regular season starts tonight. So it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of signals and signs going on with this organization. And you, you just kind of wonder how stable, ownership is and I, I hate to kind of go down that whole rabbit hole because you know everybody's heard the rumors and sure and, and whatnot for the past few years but I, it really feels like we're closer to a breaking point where i think you know apathy has set in with a lot of fans and it, you know they're they're struggling to they're struggling to bring back people like you know, i have a number of friends who um were season ticket holders who were getting bombarded with emails every day um 
asking if they can, you know, at least entertain a conversation about coming back and re-signing uh, and signing up for season tickets again. And I don't know if that's a sign of desperation or whatnot, but I think uh, we're kind of drawing to a crossroads here, I think, with the organization, Eugene Melnick, and it's going to be interesting to see how it unravels. And I think Brady Kachuk is, it might be the tipping point. If he signs a bridge deal, I think that's a huge red flag moving forward. Um, okay, Hold on well, a second. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you did that because this is what I was about to say as well. I can't believe I stipped, skipped the uh, the first part of what I'm supposed to do here on this show. So we will stay on Brady here for a second because uh, it's not time to move off of that yet. But let's talk for a second uh, as many as this whole situation has led many a Sens fan to drinking anyway. Uh, what are you cracking open here for this episode? I have some Whitewater uh, Class 5. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have you tried this one before? Uh, I have. I was just out at uh, Whitewater on the weekend, so I picked some up. Nice. Uh, I'm riding with, uh, this is a personal favorite. I won't go into too much detail here because the the good listener has heard me talk about it many times before, but it is the first one of this fall as we've moved into stout season, and uh, I'm into the Calabogie Brown Cow Milk Stout. It is, uh, it's a little sweet, but it is one of my personal favorites, so that's what I'll be riding with here tonight. And, um... A little overflow there, no problem. Um, look, you talk about Brady and it being a breaking point, and, and it, it does very much feel that way, but I wonder if it should be. It, it, if if there wasn't all of this history with this ownership group and the Melnick out and the fans rightfully being concerned about the direction of this franchise, or at least the people uh, running it, would in normal circumstances the fact that Brady is wanting to sign a bridge deal right now be all that alarming when you look at the fact that, I mean, yes, it would be concerning because it leaves him only one year from UFA, but most of the insiders are suggesting that that's the time the cap's about to go up again. There'll be more money back in the system. There's a bunch of reasons why a player with leverage like Kachuk has would want to you know, also make sure that uh, the other young players here have been locked up and that they're on the right path. If it wasn't for this ownership group, would the fact that it might be a bridge deal be quite so concerning? No, I think that's a valid point. I think those are very uh, reasonable things to point out. I think if you are Brady Kachuk, you know, it does make sense to sign two deals as opposed to one. You look at Austin Matthews, he kind of did a similar thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he signed, what, a five-year deal, I that's believe? That's right. Yep. right. So he's going to cash out big on his next contract as well and cash in on like whatever's left uh, of his prime. And for Kachuk, you know, like league revenues are going to go up. The league signed a deal with ESPN. Uh, revenue should go up post-pandemic. And got some yeah, more expansion makes, money back in the system. Like this, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there's tons. There's tons of reasons for him to bet on himself. Mm-hmm. And I think he recognizes that he's a key player for this organization. I think you know, like I think he hits free agency, unrestricted free agency. The first year he's eligible, I believe he's maybe just turns 26 or he might still be 25 because he got in the league at such a young age right so so that's a really young age to kind of hit that to hit that um threshold and just given the way he plays the physicality that he brings uh he does bring offense and you know just the work ethic and leadership and all the other intangibles that uh, everybody just loves and the charisma and everything else like he's a very marketable personable Mm -hmm. kid who works his ass off and plays effectively and if that guy ever hit market, like he's going to cash in. Every team that wants to contend for a cup needs a guy like him. He's he's essentially to me like he's a bigger version and tougher version of Brennan Gallagher. You know, yeah. he's just one of those net front presence that teams hate to play against. Yep. And uh, you know, to his credit, yeah, like it makes every sense in the world for that guy to bank on himself and try and sign a, a second contract in three years. So I guess then my last question on Brady would be, you know. What do you think is a fair number, I guess, both in the short and the long term? You've probably spent some time thinking about this and, and looking at this. But, you know, if we, you know, we've all heard eight times eight was on the table at some point. As far as his, I've said a hundred times before on this show, this one is fascinating to me because the things that you're paying for with Brady aren't necessarily the things that you're paying for with most players, right? It's, it's His goal and assist numbers aren't huge, though they're not insignificant, and they are likely to grow. But last year, he did lead the league in shots. He did lead the league, I believe, in hits. Um, he's a hugely marketable player and name here in the franchise, and you're or in the city, and you're almost paying maybe a little bit 
to calm the waters, right? To to put the, there's a certain amount of maybe you overpay just a little to show the fans that you're willing to do it, and and to show the rest of the league that you're willing to do it. But I don't know what that overpay is, right? It, it his things are hard to put a price tag on. What are you comfortable with? It's it's funny. Like I wrote the season preview, or part of the season preview for the Ottawa Centers over at McKean's uh, Hockey Annual for this season. And when I was going through Brady's numbers, like you're right, like he, he hits at a rate of a Cal Clutterbuck, mm-hmm. but he shoots at a volume rate of an Austin Matthews. Right. Like he's a really unique individual. And I think you're right. Like the point, the point production hasn't necessarily reflected his contributions on the ice. He shoots a lot. And I think a lot of that kind of stems from like the goal miss scrambles and jam plays and deflections and tips and stuff. And I think, you know, just given the high shot rates and everything else, I think, you know, maybe there is that opportunity down the road where like there, there eventually will be like that 30 goal season where Mm -hmm. like everything kind of goes in for him. But to this point, the shooting, uh, the shooting percentage hasn't really been there for him. So he hasn't scored as many points as, as people have hoped, but He's a really interesting character. And I think the organization has gone out of their way to kind of say, this guy's the future captain. He just has to sign a long-term deal. Right. He has all the leverage in the world. You know, he he recognizes, I think his camp recognizes that this is a team that's struggling with its identity. It's struggling with the consumer confidence in this market. It's struggling with so many things. And I think they understand that for for a lot of people, Brady might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like Ottawa is probably digging their heels in because they recognize that they they can't necessarily afford to give him a bridge deal, even though it might be the fair thing to do. And mm-hmm. even though he might ultimately re-sign in Ottawa, possibly, uh, it's I think there's so much concern about the message that's being sent if they don't get him done. And I think eight by eight might be a reasonable thing to do, but I think it's the structure and the bonuses that yes. come into play. Like I just think if there's an opportunity to get them done at eight by eight and it's just a matter of giving them signing bonuses and guaranteed cash right away, just do it. Like there's no like if you're willing to pay them eight million a year anyways, I just do it. Yeah. Unless the concern is that you just don't have the lick of cash every yes. summer to to pay them that money. And then I think that's a greater concern. Um just a, a reflection of ownership more than anything. Well, going into this season, Sens fans, and I think rightfully so, especially if we assume that at some point this is getting done and, and Brady will be uh, joining the team here shortly. And let's just assume that for a second. There are a million reasons for uh, this fan base to be optimistic. But before we get to them all, I want to hit you with one more thing that sort of centers around all of this. I'm sure you saw it a week or two ago. Um, there was a preseason game, Leafs and Habs, or Leafs and Habs, Leafs and Senators, um, at Scotiabank Place. Nope. Blew it again, man. What the hell is your arena called? Canadian Tire Center. Um, wow. Don't worry, folks. It's going to get better. Um, there was a game. Attendance was low, but it was also a midweek game against a big Blue Jays game. It's preseason. A lot of people don't like to attend when the Leafs are in town, uh, but the attendance was pretty sparse. And Sens Chirp put out a tweet, and I really enjoy following him. I find him, for the most part, to be a pretty level-headed follow, but essentially saying it's time to start supporting the team again. And it got a ton of pushback. People did not like it. Um, I'm, I did see enough other Senators fans who were sort of fine with the idea, but essentially saying the young players are here. If we want the team to spend at some point, we're going to have to spend again to go and watch them. Again, I, I'm I'm totally open to the idea that a Wednesday night preseason game was not the time to make that statement and probably wasn't a reflection on how things will look on opening night. But the fan base, a significant part of it, thought this was not an okay message. There will not be a time when many of them are prepared to support Eugene Melnick. And so I put it out on my Twitter and just asked, for those sorts of fans, what is the end game? Are you prepared to watch this thing die out of spite before putting your money back in if he's not willing to sell. And I guess I just wonder, I'm sure you saw the tweet. I'm sure you saw the the storm. What did you make of it? And, you know, you've referenced, you have friends that, that want to support the team and are still spending their money on tickets and merch. You have other friends that are saying, no, I'm not renewing my season ticket holders or my season tickets until this is sort of uh, back on track and they've shown me they're serious. What's the end game here? How do the senators get out of this? Yeah, I think there's I think there's a couple components to it, right? I think I think a lot of people have problems when people tell people how to fan 
Yep. You know, there's like there's a, there is a lot of gatekeeping um, these days in regards to a number of things, right? Where it's sure. like if you want to enjoy something, you better enjoy it like me. And if you don't, well, then <laughs> you're you're not you're not a real you're not a real supporter, right? right? Like you know, and I, I, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, you know, like there's such a broad spectrum of people out in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And even across like fan bases, right? Like. People, people will support this team unconditionally. People will support this team and, and still be critical and be negative and jaded and everything else. But they still spend money and they still support them. They still watch the games. Yep. Whatever. You're all still fans. Sure. No one's greater. No one's no one's a greater fan or a more important fan of the organization. And you know, it, I think the real concern is when apathy sets in. I think. I think, unfortunately, I think there are a lot of people in this community who've been burned by the organization now, you know, whether it's politicians, um, businesses, uh, season ticket holders who just feel like they've just, they they haven't been respected and then they haven't been, um, what's the word, Um, appreciated. Right. You know, and... And it's been like that for a while. Like I, I remember back when, like my old man had season tickets back in like two, you know, the well since the since the inception through like two thousand five. Like mm-hmm. there were a number of times where he said like he's bought his tickets every year, but he's like, you know, I just never feel as appreciated as you know as much as I care about this hockey team. And maybe there's something to that. Maybe that's still a, a something that the organization kind of has to deal with now. And it's just there's been so much that's gone wrong off the ice in the last like eight years, 10 years. And it's come to a head. And I think for a lot of people, uh, you know, there's a pattern that keeps repeating and it's, it's made them a little bit jaded and it's made, made them a little bit more hesitant to spend money on the organization. I think people are voting with their wallets in some instances and, and it's their right. And, you know, and I think there is a bit of fear mongering in terms of like, Oh, if you, if you don't support this team, they might leave. It's like, this organization has been supported before. I'm sure to God there are executives and, and people around the NHL who know exactly what's going on in Ottawa. You know, it takes it takes a certain someone to kill hockey in a Canadian market. Yeah. And and everybody knows what the problem is. And if if that problem changed tomorrow, there would be a hell of a lot of people lining up for season tickets. Guaranteed. But at the same time, like I understand. I understand the sentiment where people are concerned about you know if the attendance continues to drag, maybe we're a candidate for relocation. I hate the fear mongering component to it, but I understand it at the same time. And but I, I guess my question would be, you know, when I because I, I you know when I put out a question like I did asking what's your end game, you're you're bound to get some assholes in your replies. And I so I focused on the people being you know reasonable with their and I you know a couple come in and just said I I don't want to do this anymore. I'm feeling let down and and the Brady was that I said well if if Brady signed tomorrow was in the opening night lineup you know are you more likely to turn around and buy tickets? And a couple said a little, but I'm still just you know it it feels like good money after bad kind of. And I just I don't understand how how you get out of this when so much of the fan base feels that. And even if I agree, and I, I, I largely do that the fan base is right to feel, um, you know, unappreciated or, or let down or like they don't want to support this owner. But if you don't, how do you expect that owner to pay Brady or Norris or, you know, any number of guys who are going to be coming down the pipe here shortly? It is sort of a, a really gross you know cycle that you get stuck in and i, I but there's so also there's also pay a business them and then too. i'll come right yeah pay, yep. build it also, I'll come. yeah there also is a business component to that too right like a lot of businesses operate by understanding that to get people interested in yep. the product you have to reinvest in your product right you certainly just, so you, know, you want him I, to I go think, first and he's saying you go first i, I just yeah. i don't know how you get out of that I, but I think I think a lot of the problem stems from just poor messaging. I think it's a lot of it's it's not even marketing related. It's just messaging coming from the executives, and it, it's just you know you have the owner going on Toronto radio at the beginning of the offseason saying, "Hey, we're going to turn over every rock and and stone. We're going to do whatever it takes to find a veteran first line center and yep. a good defensive defenseman." And you're like, "Okay, well, let's see what the good organization's idea. plan yeah. is for the offseason. Let's see. Let's yep. 
you know, you're going to put your money where your mouth is and let's see what happens. And then Michael Delzato they did, and they did nothing. They brought in Michael Delzato and they signed Tyler Ennis to a PT from a PTO to a one year deal. And I like Tyler Ennis. Sure. He's a decent, decent little depth player, but mm -hmm. uh, like Michael Delzato is not someone that you ever extend on a multi-year deal. And it's just kind of reminiscent of like the moves, the veteran moves that Ottawa's made in the past few years where they brought in kind of like redundant, replacement level player who doesn't really move the needle at all and you're just kind of left saying well you guys are promising the world again you know and it, you know there was that hockey hall of fame event for for corporate sponsors and executives uh a couple of years ago where they you know they infamously said you know if the five years of unparalleled success are going to start in 2021 we're going to spend to the cap we every go, year yeah. we're going to build a winner and you're like okay that's that's the plan i understand that covid comes into effect the pandemic sure. changes changes things and everything else but at the same time you're like this organization literally just became cap compliant on the first day of the regular <laughs> season in 2021 and you know like there's not a lot of money committed next year like you know bad money so you know some of the bad money committed to veterans like matt murray or nikita zaitsev is eventually going to come off the book anyways right like yep. that's there's 11 million dollars committed to those guys right there that's that's money that can be earmarked for one of the younger players like just because you're worried about paying Brady Kachuk decent money down the road doesn't mean you can't add certain players to the roster right now to make them a little bit better, to make the team a little bit more competitive and fun and you know, send a signal to the fans that you're actually serious about uh, making this better and, and trying to have a competitive club. And I think you look at the projections again, like Dom Lushishin from The Athletic oh, had the vicious. centers. If people say that, I, like, I, I don't have an issue with anything that he wrote. Um, but again, like he projected them to finish 29th out of the 32 teams. Yeah. And uh, that's that's not the worst thing in the world, right? Like I think if any rational fan looks at this roster right now, you're probably thinking, yeah, like another top five, top 10 pick would would be awesome. Add another little young talent to the team. And, sure, but and then to your point, the messaging says we're done with the rebuild, right? It's what the GM is saying, and it doesn't right. mesh with what is – at least possibly on the table here. But I think like, yeah, and like Dorian got roasted for that comment as well. But at the same time, I think it can be misconstrued. I think it's just one of those instances where you can say, look at the roster and say, well, he's right. There's no veteran, with the exception of Connor Brown, there's no veteran on this roster who's worth a lick on the trade market. Right. So you're not tearing this thing down anymore. You're building. From this moment on, you're just building That's forward. Right. That's right. So like, I, I, out of fairness to Dorian, I don't think that comment was... No, it, it's just, it's like so it's so like so many things. He just hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt, right? And so anything you say, it's gonna almost get turned around on him. And for sure, so. and, and you know, it. This is a huge season. I think like they have to rely on their kids. They absolutely have to rely on the kids. And up front, I don't think they have a choice, right? Like guys like Tim Stutzla, Shane Pinto, um, Josh Norris are going to be leaned on heavily. Mm -hmm. Drake Batherson and. More concerning is the back end, man. Like, I don't know. Like, Eric Branstrom's been here for a while, but he's never really earned the uh, trust of DJ Smith. And right. are they going to play him? He played well down the stretch last year. So did Victor Mete. Are those guys going to play over guys like Michael Delzato, who had an absolutely atrocious um, <laughs> preseason? Like, are those guys going to play ahead of them? And well, it should be lesson you know, learned from last year, right? How many vets did they bring in that eventually got pushed right back out? Oh, for sure. And even at goaltending, like yeah. I tweeted this out the other day, like Phil Gustafson had the best numbers of any goaltender on the team last year. Bar none. Yeah. This preseason, the exact same thing, but he's starting the season in Belleville. If the rebuild's over, you want to make this team more competitive, why isn't your best player on the roster? Why isn't your best goaltender on this roster? Um, all right. Let's move into some positive stuff here because there are a bunch of reasons to be uh, to be optimistic about the Sens moving forward, even if this may not be the year that things completely take off the way some Sens fans hope. I think to your point, though, as we wrap it up, I would even if I looked at a, an incoming Brady contract in the next week and said – that's a little high. I would look at that and go, that's an investment in the franchise that says we went, we made sure we didn't miss significant time here. We got this done. And, you know, maybe there's more at play than, especially if you don't believe that this team is ever going to regularly spend to the cap. You just go, that was the price of doing business to get this guy in. And um, I think that would be, as you said, you know, spend money to make money a little bit. Right. And uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think like, I've seen it like uh, uh, many false equivalencies being drawn to the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Like Toronto has three guys making $10 million plus, right? Yeah. And 
Ottawa doesn't have a guy who's ever going to make $10 million. Right. Looking at their roster right now. Like, I can't think you could safely project any of these guys. Maybe Tim Stutzel if he has an unbelievable sure. season or next two seasons or whatever. Like, if he becomes like a 100-point player in the next two years, yeah, okay, maybe. Right. That might make sense. But, I like, there's so much fear over just paying guys what they're worth. I, I like, I just don't understand it. And for some people to turn on Brady as quickly as I have, oh, for a guy so who's just... Bad takes out there <laughs> i just don't understand it i just don't understand it and i i think the team's positioned well i think they've done a great job of accruing young talent and putting it together but at the same time like you have to pay these guys when they like when they finish their elcs or in josh norris's case the senators can negotiate with them right now they should be talking to him right now just right. like uh, montreal did with suzuki like yeah. That's a contract that should be getting done now. You want to send messages to this fan base and, and spark interest? Get those guys signed a year out. Like, why is yeah, it imagine taking Imagine Josh Norris signing before Brady. That'd be interesting. Oh, but like, but even like Brady, like they waited until the season yes. was over to start negotiating with him. And you know, if if they were steadfast, Brady's camp saying we only want a bridge deal, then just sign the bridge deal, move on, right? Hammer something out. Like you can't drag this in. For this to drag into the season's incredibly disappointing it's yes. incredibly disappointing and if it's just two parties digging in eight year versus three year well then it's going to take a while well eventually if you don't sign him to his bridge deal he's going to ask for a trade yes. and then what do you do then you're literally fighting the public battle all over again Oof. and i don't think that's something that they can win i think they're at that point where the ownership ownership really has to to lock in and get something done uh, the Senators had sort of th- almost three different seasons last year, and they kind of fired things up. They were awful out of the start. I think it was like one win in 10 or 12 uh, to start the season. Uh, they, by that point, had kind of learned maybe we need to push some of these veterans that we brought in to lead the way out of the way because they're blocking the way, uh, and they sort of moved to the kids. For the next little while, Sends pretty competitive. Um, not too bad at all. They weren't lighting the world on fire, but they had certainly pulled the nose up. And then towards the end, the last, I don't know, 12, 15 games, whatever, they look like world beaters. Um, and finished incredibly hot with some of their kids taking on more responsibility. Pinto had made his way in. They looked incredible down the stretch. I think that leaves a lot of room for interpretation or guesswork as we head into the regular season as to which of those things was the real Ottawa Senators. Um, As we kind of open up the regular season, which of the young guys will you be watching most closely to go, okay, that thing I saw out of him last year, that looks like it was real. Like who's got your eye as we start the season? I'm kind of anxious. I'm kind of anxious to see Artem Zub. Um, Just because... Last year, he was on the second pairing. Um, he played very well um, with Mike Riley. And he was a guy who I thought would be an awesome, exceptional partner for Thomas Shabbat. Hmm. I've I've bemoaned and belabored the point about Nikita Zaitsev just being an anchor <laughs> that drags Thomas Shabbat down. And, you know, we, we can discuss whether it's better to have two decent pairs with, you know, if you have Shabbat back with Zaitsev and then you have Artem Zup with someone else, you can argue about whether it's more important to split the strengths or whatnot. But this year it looks like they're set to run Shabbat and Zub as, as their number one pair. And I, I'm really, really looking forward to see what that duo could do. Uh, I want to see if Shabbat can bounce back. He, last season was disappointing for him. Right. If he can, if he can excel with Zub, it's going to just take this team to a, a, a more comfortable position, especially when you integrate guys like Jake Sanderson in the line of maybe a Jacob Bernard Docker in a year or two. And it's just, it's only going to get stronger. And if that's your linchpin pairing, it's going to be exceptional. And, you know, in saying that, it's funny because, like, Zub in the offseason, he just signed another, like, short term deal. He signed a two year deal. And for him to, like, just start playing with Thomas Shabbat this season after he signed that contract, like, Ottawa might be in a position, uh, you know, two years out from now where they're like, damn, why didn't we sign that guy to a long term deal before <laughs> we started playing him with Shabbat? But, yes. um, I'm really looking forward to what he can do. Um, Josh Norris is just, he's unreal, man. He's had such a good, good preseason playing away from uh, Brady Kachak, who he spent most of last season with. Um, he doesn't look like he needs the help. He looks like a guy who can who can play uh, with or without Kachak. And what he's doing at both ends of the ice is just exceptional. And like he's, I, I, maybe this is like, Maybe this is super aggressive in, in terms of predictions, but I think he's got a real opportunity to go down as like the best two-way center that the Ottawa Senators have ever had. Wow. And um, just the way he's performed 
thus far is just incredible. And as Shane Pinto, you can you can say the same thing about. It. I think he's got the opportunity to be this last year's Josh Norris, and he doesn't look overwhelmed at all. You know, he had well, I forget how many games he played last season, but he had a cup of coffee in the NHL. And he didn't look out of place. And this preseason, everybody was talking about who deserves to be the second line center. And Shane Pinto looked every bit the part. And he's going to get that opportunity. And it's it's great to see. It's great to see the organization recognizing that. Hey, don't worry about um, insulating these kids. If they look ready, let them play. Give them the opportunity to fail before you put them down and put them down the roster and, and bury them with. Because initially really, it looked like it was really Chris bad Tierney there, right? And now. He's yeah. an injury. Is that correct? And that's no, it's just, I, I, it's ineffectiveness, right? Okay. It's yeah. just, it's just one of those things. And, and Pinto's had a great camp, great camp and great preseason. So he's going to play up and see those kids start uh, at the top of this depth chart. It's, it's exciting. Those are the guys that you get really excited to see. And, you know, everybody knows about Tim Stutzel's offensive capabilities. They want to see some growth on the defensive side to go with it. And, you know, what kind of player can he be? What kind of dynamic offensive talent can he be now that he's had a year to get stronger and bigger and more mature? There's just, there's just a litany of young guys on this roster. It, the, that is the reason for excitement on this roster. It's all, all the young kids. Sure. And you throw in Alex Formanton in the mix as well. And those are the guys. Drake Bathinson is another. Like, those are the guys who are expected to carry this lineup and then will have to carry this lineup. And Ottawa will go as far as, like, those five young forwards and the first pairing. They'll go as far as those guys take them. But, you know, if the rest of the defense doesn't hold up and the goaltenders don't hold up like they did through the first third of the season, halfway through the season last year, it, it could be another bottom 10 season, unfortunately. Um, as you talk about a guy like Tim Stutzla, who certainly at moments last year was a shortened season, it was a weird season, an odd way to uh, to start your pro career. He was on a, a flight out of World Juniors and right into his NHL debut. Um, what's a reasonable expectation for that guy? Because it does seem like he has all the skills to be you know, an elite scorer in the league. Um, but we often see sophomores take a little bit of a step back. They don't always, they don't have to. Um, but what do you see as kind of a reasonable step forward or a year you would look at and go, okay, I'm pretty happy with the development there. Hey, you know what? It just from the line combination standpoint, if Brady doesn't start the season with the senators and this drags on into the season and Stutzel gets an opportunity to play with Josh Norris and Batherson, that could be great for his development. And I don't know, like uh, maybe 25 goals, 45 points wouldn't right. be out of the question. And, you know, these 25 goals is a good number, but sure. like 45 points is kind of a modest point total for a guy of his pedigree. Um, but it depends. It depends on the power play. How how well is Ottawa's power play going to be? And through the preseason, it looked pretty damn good at times. So I don't know. I, I feel like 45 points seems like a modest number that you should be able to hit. And if he gets increased ice time and, and quality of line mates, just because Brady's gone, then maybe that isn't that unreasonable. Right. Uh, if Brady is back in the lineup, as most Sens fans are, are obviously hoping, does Stutzel still have number one power play minutes? How would you see them setting that up? I think they'd both be on it, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, just working different sides. Brady's right. obviously the net front presence, and then Stutzel could work the bumper, or he can work from the, uh, the sidewall. It, it'd be interesting, man. It, it's there's There's tons of different looks that this organization could give you, and it's it's only getting better. It's only getting better. It's just you're kind of just enduring these lumps right now, and and they just need to insulate these kids with a little bit better talent, and hopefully things will turn for them soon. The guy who turns the knife on me the most often as a uh, a guy who does not care for the Ottawa Senators is my boy West of Town Connor Brown, and uh, loved him as a Leaf. Was sad to see him end up a Senator last year. Um, he had an incredible shortened season. And I got to sit through all kinds of, can you believe the Leafs traded this guy away for uh, just sort of failing to grasp the nuance or, or a lot of times Twitter's just disingenuous in, uh, in how they present the argument, but he was incredible. He was great again at world championships, playing on a line with Nick Paul. Um, what do you see? It, it, can that be Connor Brown again? For real this year, or does he sort of step back a little bit into what we've more known him as, and what will his sort of role be on the team? He's interesting, right? Because he's a guy who generates a lot of chances just off sheer hard work and effort, right? Like yep. lots of defensive uh, um, turnovers and stuff that just go back the other way, and he gets an odd man chance or, or what have you. And in the past, um, you know, we we joke around 
online discussing him in the same vein as like an Eric Condra who did a lot of the same things. Like guys who just like would generate these awesome scoring chances just through their their defensive aptitude and hard work and they just wouldn't manifest in production. Right. But like last year, like Connor Brown, all of a sudden he started scoring. He scored on 17.1% of his uh, shots. And he had five shorthanded goals, which is like shorthanded goals you should never, ever bank on <laughs> re- repeating at all. Right. But uh, same with the shooting percentage, right? Like he's a good candidate for regression. But like he, the thing I'll say about Connor Brown is like he generates so many quality chances just off um, just off his smarts and hockey IQ and his defensive aptitude that like I could see uh, finally like some of them started going in. So maybe there's like a middle ground between like sure. the seasons where he's shooting like 9% and the seasons where he's shooting 17.1%. So like if he can find a middle ground and maybe been just a 20 goal guy sh- even before last year yeah, once, right? Yeah, so, like yeah. Uh, 20, 20 goals seems like a norm. Right. And like he's not going to be on the first line. Batherson's got that spot. He's mm-hmm. not going to be a huge power play guy, but I don't know. Maybe DJ Smith will give him that opportunity just because of the season that he had last year. What do you see at camp out of, um, Bernard Docker, and I want to, you know, maybe tie into this part of the conversation, the uh, the Jake Sanderson talk. I know rules were a little different for college guys, whether they could attend camps this year and stuff, but uh, he also got into some action, I believe, last year at the end of the season. Sens fans seem incredibly high on him. Um, you'll tell me if it's just my bias here in the way against the Senators. I'm somewhat skeptical that Jake Sanderson can step in and immediately be the top four savior that many Sens fans claim. I think defense um, in the NHL is something that can take a little time, but I am willing to be, you know, corrected or uh, or whatever if he seems like a a guy who maybe can step around that and and is capable of jumping right into that. But uh, those seem to be the two big young pieces on the blue line. Uh, where do you think they stand right now? Bernard Docker only played the one game in the preseason. So, like, I think to me, that just shows like the coach, the coaching staff doesn't believe he's ready. Right. And it's going to take time for him. He's going to have to go through his lumps. Like, Lassie Thompson is, was in the same boat, right? Like, he went down to Belleville right away, played a lot last year and, and learned under uh, Trent Mann. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's going to take time. I think it's going to take time for Bernard Docker to like prove that he can be a good defensive defenseman on this team. And, you know, looking at the right side, they're not really in a hurry to integrate him into the lineup, right? They have Zaitsev, who DJ Smith loves. They have Zub. Those guys are playing top four minutes regardless of whether he's here or not. And, you know, he should have an opportunity to play a lot of minutes down in Belleville and hopefully develop and develop quickly. And, you know, Jake Sanderson, smooth skater, good stick work. I think that'll give him an opportunity to be decent right away. You know, you look at other guys in college and usually typically I've always been kind of like hard on like collegiate defensemen who've come through the system. Usually it takes them a while to be successful. Right. You look at guys like Quinn Hughes and he was successful right away just Uh, based off his puck moving skills and and skating ability and like Jake Sanderson has both of those things. Yeah, but I don't think he's as dynamic offensively as some of those guys, but just based off his uh, defensive aptitude, stick work, and his skating ability, I think that'll give him an opportunity to have success right away. Is he the most physical guy? Will he have to add size? Yeah, absolutely. But um, I think some of his some of his skill set should play at the NHL level right away, and I think that's that's the exciting part for the Senators because. You know, if Eric Branstrom doesn't pan out or Victor Mete doesn't play at a high level this year, like they're going to need help on the left side. They don't have like that next young guy. They're really banking on Jake Sanderson being a, a dynamic, impactful player for this organization. So forget what they're going to do. You've already uh, spoken about what you think of Del Sato, um, what you think the coaching staff might think of, of Branstrom. If it were up to you on opening night, what are the top six defense that you're running out? Ooh, um, well, Shabbat Zub obviously at the top of the uh, top of the shop. I put Nick Holden on the right side with Branson, mm-hmm. and then I'd probably run Zaitsev. Oh, Josh Brand's been decent in the po- in the preseason as well. They're both right side, aren't they? Not. <laughs> yeah, but Holden can play his offside on okay. the right side. I don't know. It's yeah, I'd say Zaitsev probably third pairing with maybe Mete or but, something. But like, I don't like that. I just I wish. <laughs> So it's more if a matter I, of what's available to you than uh, yeah, you it's like if you, I yeah, it's yeah. just one of those things. If we could curb, if we could curb Nikita Zaitsev's <laughs> minutes and just have him play like third pairing minutes and don't play a lot of like key key moments, key right. pivotal moments late in game, like sheltering a lead or or any of that stuff. Yeah, that'd be ideal. Yeah, I've seen some of your uh, some of your write ups on him. You're 
not usually particularly complimentary of uh, Zaitsev, but I'm right there with. But you he's on good. It. He's you know to his credit, he's good away from the puck. But as soon as like he like gets into a battle mode, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as he gets into a battle, it's just like he can't retrieve the puck and transition it smoothly. Like it's always. It uh, just goes right back to the other team. Like, plays die on a stick. Yeah, and as it's a like, fan, I'm familiar with so the phenomenon, man. <laughs> he just, every, every good, everything good that he does defensively is undermined by his ability to play the puck. And that's just that's just the way it is. Let's touch on the goaltending a little bit. You already referenced that you thought Philip Gustafson was the best goaltender in the organization. Obviously, Matt Murray was going to get another shot here because of the contract that they gave him. I've said before on the show, I liked the trade. It seemed like a reasonable gamble to bring that guy in and see if you could rebuild him. I then didn't like the contract. They immediately gave him before you had a chance to look at that. But such is the price maybe of doing business. It does appear he showed up to camp in better shape by all accounts, by people who understand goaltending far better than I do, uh, that he looks more muscular. Um, and, and so we'll see how that goes. He was always going to be on the open night, opening night roster. Anton Forsberg came in last year after, I don't know, being on a couple of weird WestJet flights all over the country, being waived and whatever else was going on there, uh, but played reasonably well for the Senators. Uh, Gustafson, I guess, goes down in theory. If you're not going to start him, it's better that he starts in Belleville. Must be what they're thinking. Uh, to sort of sum up the goaltending and, um, you know, whether you expect that Matt Murray can bounce back this year or whether we'll be seeing by the end of the season that it might be Gustafson's net. Yeah. I, you know, before a period Orient signed his like, contract extension, I thought like this would, this year would kind of, this might be his last opportunity to build a competitive team. And I, I think a lot of that stems from his trade history and his, his free agent signings. And this organization's cut bait with a lot of the guys. And I think Matt Murray's contract and his performance uh, could could essentially undermine Dorian and put his job in in jeopardy. But, you know, Dorian signed that extension. Yep. The organization looks comfortable giving Matt Murray that opportunity. I don't know if they have any other choice but to do that. Um but you know, you're looking at a guy who's been one of the statistical, like statistically, he's been one of the worst goaltenders in, in the league the past two seasons. Right. You know, he came into the camp 15 pounds heavier with muscle, and you know, I've come shape, into many a camp best, 15 pounds heavier, and people rarely <laughs> said it was a good thing. <laughs> best shape of his career, yes, and, and and everything else, and you know, he's going to have an opportunity to get the ball and run with it. And fair enough, they're, they've invested so much into him, um, they don't really have a choice, but. You know, Anton Forsberg's been a number three goalie with every organization they've been with for the past however many years. And I don't know. Philip Gustafson to me looked like the most comfortable, most athletic, most confident, composed goaltender that they've had right. in the in you know the past year. And you know, he had a decent preseason and just to kind of see the organization send him down to Belleville. He's obviously gonna play in games, be the starting guy down there, but I don't know. It's 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 one of those situations where like this team started winning games last year when they started getting good goaltender, and Funny I don't that. think that I don't think that's that's a secret. And they can't really afford, you know, Brady Kachuk's on the sidelines to start. Colin White's injured, so it's going to test their depth in the bottom six. I think beyond Ottawa's top six, they don't have a lot of depth. Beyond Thomas Shabbat and Artem Zub, I don't think they have that much defensive depth. And if they don't get the goaltending, uh, it's it's. This thing has a chance to go south really quickly, especially early on. And uh, everybody's going to be watching Matt Murray. This is a big chance for him to step up and prove that he could be the guy. He can carry the, the load. And, and you know, this isn't just him showing up 15 pounds heavier and in the best shape of his career. Like, this is kind of a defining moment for him as well. Like, he's got to prove oh, that yeah. he can be a number one guy in this league again. And, you know, he's got the cup rings, but he's still got to prove that he can be a number one in this league. Uh, very true. So you've sort of already, I never thought I'd be the one that sounded like the optimist about the senators on, uh, when we did this, but, um, you know, things could go south if the goaltending isn't there, but you could say that about almost every team in the league. Right. Um, so let's assume again that Brady gets signed reasonably quickly. Um, you've sort of illustrated that you didn't take a ton of issue with what Dom had to say in the athletic and he predicted them to finish very low in the standings. What has to go right? Or, or will you be shocked if they're pushing for a playoff spot towards the end of this? I personally don't believe they're a playoff team yet, but I thought they would be higher in in the standings than at least what Dom has projected. Um, you know, 
what would have to go right for them to get higher than that? And would you be shocked if if it did turn out that they were much better than than he predicted? Um, I I I think there's a lot of room for internal growth, right? Like yeah. we mentioned the five kids earlier. I think Stutzel, Norris, Bathurst, and Pinto. Uh, Formanton or five guys who are on the roster right now who have the opportunity to develop and grow and outperform what they did last season. And, you know, you throw Thomas Shabbat in. I think he can be better. I think Artem Zou playing with Thomas Shabbat can be better. Um, I think the goaltending can't get worse than it was last year. Uh, Philip Gustafson notwithstanding. And I think, you know, if Matt Murray can give them league average goaltending, like, you know, like a 915 save percentage or, or what have you, I think there's an opportunity for this game to for this team to win a lot more games or at least be more competitive in games early on in the season. And then you're just waiting for Brady Kachuk to come back. And I think if you add him to the mix, then all of a sudden you can insulate Alex Foreman's in a little bit better on the third line and it gives them more options. It gives them more depth and, and flexibility there. But you know, if this team has to stay healthy, first and foremost, yeah. the young players have to stay on the ice. If one of those young players goes down to injury, uh, there's not much coming behind there's, them. There's no, there's not a lot of depth at the forward position, especially in the minors right now. Uh, there's no one coming up from the from the NHL to replace what those guys are contributing right now, and it, it's going to be tough. Like to bank on a healthy season from everybody, good goaltending, <laughs> improved defense, and you know, like all those all those young kids that I mentioned earlier could develop greatly and and have significantly better seasons than they had last year. But at the same time. Not every prospect develops uh, linearly, right? Like no. sometimes there's like a down season and then the season after they, that's when they explode. So you never know. You never know. But, I, you know, I you mentioned earlier that I'm like down on this team and stuff. I'm not <laughs> down on this team. I'm just down on this season. Like I think there's a lot to be excited with. I think fans understand and, re- and appreciate who those players are. But at the same time, like you look at the depth that we've just discussed and, and some of the veterans on this roster. And I think – Everybody recognizes that this team needs a little bit more talent. They need a little bit more help. And, and on the roster, there's nothing really coming. There's nothing down in the AHL that's going to come up in the next six months and make this team significantly better. Like what they have is what they're showing on the first day, first day of the regular season, minus Brady Kachuk and or Colin White or or uh, Austin Watson. Like this is pretty much it, right? Like this is what you have, and you're counting on that internal growth. But if injuries if injuries beset this team, it, it could be it could get really ugly really fast. So, but the future is bright. Yes, I think we agree there. Um, so maybe give uh, the Sens fans that are listening a little advice or uh, tell us how you'll be watching this season. If if you believe that there may not be as many wins as people would hope for, which has been the case for the last couple of years, but it's been that case in a very kind of sad and unsettling way. This time it kind of feels like maybe there'll be less wins than people want but that the pieces are starting to be laid and that this is an experience. Like how will you watch this team and enjoy it? Even if, uh, you know, enjoy the season, even if, you know, maybe the wins aren't coming or the points aren't coming. And and what would you deem to be a successful season? To me, it's kind of uh, reminiscent of like the formative years of this franchise in its modern history where it's like, you're not really worried about wins and losses yet. You're just kind of worried for the growth and development of the young kids. You're, you're hoping guys like Eric Brandstrom take a step forward. Um, just because he's a bit of a forgotten piece, right? Like, sure. And you're hoping for significant growth from guys like Tim Stutzla. Obviously, he was drafted third overall, so you want that guy to be a superstar. You need that guy to be a superstar. You want that growth and development from those players. And you extend that to like Norris and Pinto and Batherson. You want those guys to continue to prove that they're better than what they showed last season. And if you know, if those guys keep getting better, eventually the talent around them has to get better as well. It's only a matter of time before it does that. Right. Um, whether that's guys getting drafted, developed, getting called up, or guys are traded and acquired to help make this team better. Like, eventually it has to get better. This team can't stay at the bottom of the league for that long uh, without significant change happening. So, Toss to me, it's maybe just, the occasional 5 1 comeback win over Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> Keep people happy. Right? Yeah. It's just, I, I just think to me, it's like watching like the early 90s Senators where you're watching the young kids like Yash and Alfredson, Dag, Bonk. You just want to see that growth. Red and Phillips, like you just want to see those guys play and play well and, and build like that young core that you can gravitate towards. And, you know, you know, confidently is going to be around for the next little while. Yeah. It's going to be a fascinating season for the for the Sens. I, I think people are ready for them to turn a corner, want them to turn a corner. Um, 
You're right. I, I guess I painted you a little unfairly in terms of how far you were down on them. There was just a couple of stray questions where I thought I was being optimistic and, and you had painted things could go south, but that's goaltending, right? That's that's That happens across the league. I'm I'm a Leafs guy, and if Campbell and Mrazek turn out to not be the answer, that's going to be a problem, right? They'll, they'll go south just like anybody else. But I think the point you made a little while ago about the comparisons to Toronto and two guys make it, three guys making $10 million, what the Sens are building is different. It's a come at you with depth. It's a come at you in waves as opposed to, you know, one, two, three huge stars. And I think as long as, you know, Sanderson pans out and eventually um, JBD pans out and, and Pinto and all these guys, like... It's no different than anybody else. You need these guys to turn out, but the depth is what will make Ottawa good if 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 their plan goes to or comes to fruition. Yeah, and I think it's it's also like a lot of the guys that you mentioned have like a two way aptitude yes. about them. You know, like it's not just like all offense driven. It's like kind of like almost like Boston Bruinsy. I was just gonna say Krejci and Bergeron. Right? Yeah, in the sense like you, if you get guys who can play. You know, relatively strong two-way games down the middle like especially first and second line center like that takes a lot of pressure off the organization and you know all of a sudden you add if you can add a good third line center whether that's really Grieg or maybe Nick Paul stays there or Colin White sticks around if you get that's that the depth, injury I was thinking of I've been racking my brain somebody got hurt to open the door here and I couldn't remember <laughs> who it was if 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 they can find a great third line center to put behind Norris and Pinto yeah like, or maybe they find a dynamic talent. Maybe they bottom out this year and get like a really high end center in this year's draft. You can play offense. Like all of a sudden that gives you a totally different wrinkle yep. down the middle. And that's a great trio that you could build around. And, you know, their blue line's getting better, right? Jake Sanderson's going to be there eventually. Mm-hmm. Jacob Bernard Docker, who we've talked about, maybe Lassie Thompson shows he can play and performs at a high level in the HL this year. And, and he becomes another, he becomes another name to watch. And, there's just there is depth throughout the organization. It's just you need more of it to pan out. You need a lot of it to be successful to supplement what they've already got here. It's just what's going wrong with Ottawa this season is that they just haven't supported the young kids that well. And I understand why. Like it's going to cost them money. It might cost them years in term that they're uncomfortable giving to certain players. But it's just it's a it could be another one of those growing pain seasons that a lot of fans might not have been anticipating just because of the messaging that the organization was putting out for the last couple of years. I'm curious, and and maybe it'll be more of a a Eugene thing than I'm expecting, but uh, I've been asking some of our guests that have been on recently, just as we come out of the pandemic, in a general sense, um, are you ready to return to an indoor sports facility? Will you go down to a game or two this year? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I'm comfortable doing it. Yeah. Double vaccinated, uh, you know, respect respect boundaries and and everything else. Um, But yeah, I'd like, I don't know. I've gone into a number of places already restaurants bars um you know home depot blah <laughs> blahs and stuff and it, you know there has been a sense of normalcy settling in and and everything else but i don't know if it's just because i'm more confident because i'm double vaccinated or just maybe maybe there's a bit of uh fatigue going on with the whole situation but i think that's part of it for a lot of us right when you start to look at at these things it's not just that you know with some of the rules that Ontario has put in place, both now at um, outdoor and indoor facilities, it's not just the confidence that I'm double vaccinated, it's that they're insisting everyone else be as well. And and that gives you that kind of added sense of, of comfort, comfort to go back in is the chances that someone else is carrying this in here is much, much, much lower than it would have been, you know, the last time we were doing stuff like this. So I think... I appreciate that. I understand not everybody does, but I think that was a fair way to go about it. And, um, you know, if you're double jabbed, have at her, right? And and the Senators need that, right? And whether you're ready to support Eugene or not, it might be time to, to support Josh Norris or Brady Kachuk or Thomas Shabbat. I'm not going to, like you said, I'm not going to tell anybody how to fan, but if you're on the fence and it's not the, uh, the pandemic holding you back, maybe a nice way to return to normalcy to get back to the rink. For sure. And attendance is going to be one of those things that people are going to be monitoring yeah. pretty quickly, right? Especially in Ontario. Like, they're allowing 100% capacity now. So, are people in Ottawa going to respond to that well? How I can tell you, in to Toronto, like, there was a couple of half-capacity games that didn't sell out. Now, it's just preseason. We'll see. And it's a much bigger market. But, 
I think there's a lot of people still hesitant and that's fine. Everybody makes their own choices, but it will be fascinating beyond the senator's attendance thing that has been a thing for a while. I just think Ontario wide across sport, like we'll see, there was some Jays games that didn't fill the 15,000 before they bounced back up. It's going to be fascinating to watch. I think it will be, uh, really appreciate your time. Why don't we just, uh, just before we get out of here, hit us with, uh, what you assume will be the Atlantic division final standings. Oh, um, God, I think Boston will take a step back. I think Tampa, it's like, it's hard to knock off Tampa. Yeah. They're just so strong. Tampa feels to uh, me like a, after two deep playoff runs, they just sort of. That's the other part of it, right? Like I can see if you told me that Toronto was going to win the Atlantic, I'd say, yeah, I yep. totally understand why. I, I could see that too. Like I, I think Tampa, Tampa does enough to get through the season and maybe wins the cup again. But just as far as the regular season goes, just sort of, you know, whatever. Two, and everyone's, three everyone's giving Florida a lot of credit. Yep. So I could see like Tampa, Toronto, Florida, Boston. Man, I don't like Montreal. I like, I just either. don't like Montreal at all. Yeah. God, it's, but I didn't like them last year and they ended up in the finals. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. It's just one of those teams, man. Just Is Ottawa better teams. than both Detroit and Buffalo? I, uh, 100% Buffalo. Yeah. Detroit. Yeah, I think so I, too. I, I think so too. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah. So I I would say Tampa, Toronto, Florida, Boston, Montreal, maybe right. Ottawa. I could see Ottawa. Detroit, Buffalo with goaltending. I could see Ottawa. I could see, I could see them getting Montreal too. I could if if they get the goaltending, if things go right, I could see that happening. But I think there's, there's going to be no, a bit of a gap there bef- between them and like Boston. No, Carey Price in Montreal yep. either to start. Yep. I don't know. There's a lot of weird. There's a lot of weirdness in this division. Totally agree, there, man. Hit us once more with where people can find your work. Uh, you can find my work, written work at uh, gnichols.substack.com. You can find me on Twitter at six ends. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for having me on. Really enjoyed my time here. Uh, this is always a blast, man. And uh, I know you're a craft beer guy as well. So as the season gets up and rolling, uh, and we get a little bit, uh, a few games behind us, we're going to try and get Graham in studio here. And uh, we'll have a pint at a time that works a little bit better. Uh, we weren't able to make that happen this time, but, uh, you know, as the pandemic clears, as, you know, everything gets a little less crazy, we'll try and get Graham in here and we'll do one of these in person. On that note, we will wind things down for Graham Nichols. My name is Matt Robinson. We will post all of his links in the show notes at tallcanaudio.com. You can give us a follow on social media at tallcanaudio. And we will see you all next time. It is over! Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.